The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Jeff Counts, your host, and I'm joined today by Madeline Atkins, the brand new concert master of the Utah Symphony. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you. It's great to have you. So the arrival of a new concert master is big news when it happens in any town. What's it been like for you? I guess from the very beginning, there obviously was a lot of excitement for me this has been something that I've I've a goal that I've had since I was a teenager so uh, when the announcement was first made you know you hear from people far and wide you know anyone pretty much that you've had contact with in your career and there was a lot of people to thank that got me to this point and um, as well as lots of people to catch up with and so that was a really fun time and mm-hmm. then you you move into the kind of logistics of moving 2000 miles away from yeah. Baltimore where I've been for the last 16 years so it's been quite a journey to get here has there been a lot of press i mean have you done a lot of interviews yeah yeah there was a lot of uh print press like the strad magazine picked it up which oh, was really great, great. Yeah. and um i've been doing a lot of uh radio interviews npr classical stations mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. that's so. great so this this word concert master we all know it as a word but i don't know that a lot of people actually know what a concert master is and does could you describe your job what does what does a concert master do sure um well it's a really multifaceted position i would say that um there's a lot of things that the audience can see uh, you do like for example you represent the orchestra in a lot of ways coming out to tune the orchestra and mm-hmm. you're accepting applause from the audience for the orchestra um representing in the orchestra in the community sometimes as the face of the musicians and as well as uh, playing solos and things like that um and th- one of the main jobs of the concertmaster also is to help coordinate all the bowings. And so this is when you see all the string players moving their bows in the same direction. <laughs> you wonder how they all know how to do that. Yeah, who and it's, it takes that? a lot of, yeah. of preparation um, sure. to try to balance the composer's wishes with the comfort of the players and how to get the best results from them. Yeah. And then beyond that, I would say that you, you really function as a facilitator, a sort of liaison between the conductor and the orchestra to help the conductor's vision Im- become implemented in a, a way that and so everyone's really on the same page mm-hmm. I'd say it's a position that takes a lot of strength of leadership but also ex- an extreme amount of flexibility because you know you've got to be there ready to to uh, turn on a whim and and take a new artistic direction or sure. to help your players um, get the best sound from the orchestra right are there extra musical duties? I mean, do you see yourself as an ambassador for the company? And how, how do you think that's going to manifest itself? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the, the orchestra has such a commitment to education. Yeah. And when you get to go out and, and meet with the kids or help the kids with their music or mm-hmm. just to find joy, you know, in that, it's mm-hmm. it's it's really a great part of the job, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that will develop over time, too, as you spend more time in the community. You know, when you look at your background, Madeline, it, it's, it almost might seem as if you had no choice but to be a musician, <laughs> no choice but to be a violinist, and no choice but to be a concertmaster. I mean, you've got a lot of very interesting family history, and you come from musical genes, for sure. Talk a little bit about your, your background and your family and how it's impacted your career. Yeah, well, I'm the youngest of eight uh, kids, and my parents, they were music history professors mm-hmm. at the University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. So they started us all out as kids on instruments, and uh, my oldest siblings really stuck with it. It was mostly violin and cello, and I have one uh, sister who's a singer as well. And uh, How dare she? I know. <laughs> she's, a, she's a black sheep, musical black sheep. They were quite successful. They're a good bit older than I am, uh-huh. and um, 
so when we came along, the young, the younger set, yeah. it was sort of, that's what we did. That was kind of the family business. My parents used to say, we can't afford to give you a lot, but we can't give you the, you know, gift of, of learning an instrument. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty pricey gift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it can be. So, yeah. um, we didn't really have a choice, uh, to play <laughs> or not, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, lucky us. They, they told us that we had to play till we were 18. Uh-huh. And by that point I had started college a few years early. So I was already well down the path and yeah. um i truly didn't really want to do anything else um some of my siblings kind of threatened to re- rebel and ran off and came back and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know that sort of thing but i always loved it and so here we are are you the only concert master among your siblings or that's yes that's true my okay. sister elizabeth was uh for 31 years associate concert master uh-huh. of the national symphony wow she just um quote unquote retired though she's still quite young and she took a teaching position at uh, tcu in fort yeah. worth um, for a second career. Uh, so you were very close to each other when you were at Baltimore and she was yes, at National. Yes, That must have we been were. really great for you It was, it was guys. nice to have family in the area. Yeah, absolutely. So. so she took a teaching position. So you're yes. now the only current Adkins concert That's master. That's true. Then my brother is um, principal cello in Dallas. Ah, so okay. he's got a pretty legit, Also an important job. job so. I, I so. <laughs> so it's it, let's since we're talking about other jobs in other places, I know this isn't your first orchestra job. You talked about being in Baltimore for 16 years. How does the personality of an ensemble differ from place to place and why? Why does it differ? What are the ingredients? Well, it's really interesting. It's kind of like an, an organism. It's always changing, you know, and, and a few people here or there can really make a difference mm-hmm. in the in the morale. I would say, you know, morale is a big is a big issue. It, a lot of I joke with my husband because he's in IT and I said, can you imagine sitting next to the same person for 30, 35, 40 years <laughs> like people do, you know, sure, and there, sure. there's inevitable um, you know, musicians have often have strong personalities. And sure. so, so there's that balance in trying to get everybody I- into a place where we can all make the best music that we can. Right. And um, so I think morale is, is a huge issue. And that's one of the things I love about the Utah Symphony, because it seems like one of the most upbeat organizations I've ever <laughs> encountered, yeah. you know, musical or otherwise. Sure. And it seems like everyone is really rowing in the same direction mm-hmm. and really interested in, 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 uh, that collaborative spirit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that it ebbs and flows over time and it's really an, an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. But it does differ from place to place, doesn't it? I mean, it's sure. each, each city. Yeah. Has its and you know, until you're really in it, you can't really know, yeah. you know, we all hear stories about this or that orchestra, but, right. but you just don't know right. until you're part of it, what, yeah. where you fit in and all that. It's, it's a, like a sports team, but a sports team that goes on for decades with the same players you know (laughs) that's a good way to put it you you know talking about relationships you mentioned before at the very beginning part of this discussion about interacting with the music director what what is the relationship with the music director like for a concert master how much interaction is there and how much a part of sort of the, the 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 building of a sound of an ensemble will the concert master be part of well I think yeah there's a lot of 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 interaction there um I think that one of the good things is you you can assume that you were chosen because you have the sound or the direction that the conductor's interested in right. going. Right. So there's already, you know, 90% of everything you're on the same page Sort already. of a pre-established. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that really makes it an easier working relationship in my mind. I think that's why, you know, in the old days, they, conductors would just choose a concertmaster without any input from the musicians. Right. It's not like that anymore. There's quite no. a collaborative process to make those decisions but you can see why because it's such an important um relationship i think that uh that's that's one of the things i've enjoyed so far in the few weeks that i have played in the last season was um 
that Thierry is so easy to work with. I mean, he's so kind. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just a kind person. He he really cares about everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I found it very easy to kind of slip into that give and take relationship with him. The partnership. Yeah. 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 You know, um, many professional musicians have more than one sort of musical life. They play in different places around the, the, the country and world, which I'm, which will lead me into my next question for you. I know that you regularly spend some of each summer in South Africa. What do you do there? Well, um, for a number of years, I've attended a chamber music festival in Stellenbosch, South Africa, which mm-hmm. is in, in the wine country outside Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring in about 30 faculty members from uh, around the world, um, about six or seven Americans and Europeans. And mm-hmm. then we play faculty concerts in the evenings, every night a new concert. So that's quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, and the level of the faculty is just uh, extremely high, like the concertmaster of Salzburg, you know, players from the Met. And, um, the concertmaster of the Utah Symphony. Well, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we've had, they bring in students from all over South Africa and all actually all over Africa. Yeah. The classical music tradition is, isn't quite as strong in that part of the world and um, the Western classical music tradition, right, rather. Right. But um, the kids are just, they love, you know, collaborating with us and do the coachings and all that stuff. So that led me to my latest CD project. Yeah, I wanted is, to ask you about yeah. that as well. Tell us about it. Uh, well, one of the founders of the festival is a Luis Magalhaj, of Portuguese pianist, who's mm-hmm. based in South Africa. And he and I had played together a few times in the course of the fe- of the years and um, really felt simpatico. So we decided to do this project of the Mendelssohn violin sonatas. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the violin uh, repertoire is so deep that there's a lot of music that isn't widely played, but that's really quite fine. And that's what the way we felt about these sonatas. Yeah. It even includes a, a unpublished Mendelssohn oh, sonata really? from um, 1825. So that is an extra special. That is, that's, thing, that's, yeah. that really sets apart your, your project. Indeed. Yeah, that's great. So is that, is that, is that currently out or? Yes, it came out in August. Um, and so uh, at the end of August, I, uh, did a, we did a tour in South Africa, recital tour, mm-hmm. concertos and stuff like that. So. I'm sure that experience in South Africa is really enriching. That's a it's, special part of the world. It is. And, it's a lovely country and yeah. the people are so warm and everyone that I've met there has just been fabulous. That's so. great. Well, I, we have a question that we ask to all of our guests on the Ghost Light podcast and it's because of the title of the show. And the question is, Madeline Atkins, have you ever seen a ghost yourself? Do you have any paranormal experience you can share with us? Oh, gosh. Well, I'll tell you, my husband and I love to go to abandoned places and <laughs> this is one of our hobbies okay and uh especially things like old abandoned insane asylums and prisons and things mm-hmm. like that there's a ton of them out east uh like the northeast penitentiary in philadelphia yeah. and then yeah. one of our favorites was the trans allegheny lunatic asylum which oh. is in um, west virginia wow um and I really, really wish that I had something to share with you about oh, my time there. But, you know, I would just be <laughs> speaking off the cuff, as it were. So, Well, it sounds like you're putting in the work, though, going yeah, to these places. Yeah, we are. You're and we've, we've an known experience. people who've done the overnight stays yeah. and things like that. Um, we re- we, we're going to keep trying. And I guarantee that I will have a story for you in the future. Excellent. Well, <laughs> Madeline Atkins, concertmaster of the Utah Symphony, we officially welcome you to Utah. And Thanks. can't wait to start this new season with you. Utah Opera performances of Carmen continue this week with the final performance on Sunday, October 16. Tickets and information are available on utahopera.org. The following weekend, conductor Uri Valchua makes his Utah Symphony debut, conducting Andre Gugnin, playing Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto No. 3. 
Tickets and information for those performances are available at utahsymphony.org. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced by Chad Call, Utah Symphony Utah Opera. The season sponsor is George S. and Dolores Dory Eccles Foundation. <laughs>